0: Welcome back podcast listeners. We're here with episode 111 and Tony, we're doing it from the bedrooms again. Well, I'm in my bedroom and you're in your study, but uh,
1: it's good to see you on the screen. Thank you, Jamie. Always wonderful to see you as well. Good to see you trying to grow a beard.
0: Tony, <laughs> look, today's podcast um, is something quite close to you. Um, it's a situation you actually had to deal with personally. Um, and it's a situation with financial advisors that is actually common, um, not not so much common, but I guess the situation of, of dealing for an elderly parent um, in a certain situation um, is there, but or even young parents. But um, we're going to talk about today is um, financial planning and managing the finances for a parent with dementia. Now, you've obviously gone through this experience yourself.
1: Yeah, I have. And it's, um, for those of you who don't know, my father was actually in this industry for some 25 years before he retired and then came back and worked with me. So dad had always looked after the finances of the house. Uh, mum never had, and it was, wasn't was that mum was ignorant towards it or didn't want to, it was just that it was the industry dad was in. So he'd always looked after all the finances, paid the bills, did the budgeting, uh, things like that. And I think the, the first thing I'll state is that um, you usually find that when a parent has dementia, the children and the spouse know that the other person has dementia even before they're diagnosed with dementia. And that's just, you know, you sometimes hear the old adage of, oh, I just can't think as quick or I forget things, it's just old age. You know, yeah. and sometimes that is the, the sign of dementia. And that's, that's, I mean, myself, my sister, my mum, we all knew Dad had dementia long before he, and Dad Dad was quite cunning. He would he would go and get tested. We all knew it he would go and get tested and he would be trying to memorize things before he walked in and then he would dictate the conversation and so the doctors would say, "Oh no, he seems okay, but we knew he was he was failing uh, yeah. but dad but Dad and everyone else, no one necessarily wants to wants to hear those words uh that you have dementia because it is an incurable disease yeah
0: so i, I guess from that um they're the early stages as you're saying that testing happens and, and starts and things like that so as you, your father looked after the finances how's the conversation in that early part start around finances because i'm sure if, if he's believing that he hasn't got dementia and he's he's you know obviously changing the test by memorizing or or trying to work through them that way how do you have those early conversations
1: it was, uh, it was an, I think the thing is, is that a lot of people who have had parents or spouses with dementia, one of the things uh, that is well known, there's dementia or Alzheimer's, but one of the things that is well known is a lot of people become qu- quite frustrated and angry, especially uh, in the early stages. And one of the reasons being is because they get confused and they don't understand. Now, thankfully in our family, dad was a big passive cuddly teddy bear. So dad getting grumpy uh, was never a a violent, verbally or physical violence uh, incidents, which can actually happen. um, I've known of incidents where uh, clients, spouses, and all of a sudden they've, they've never been an angry person, but all of a sudden they start lashing out because they just don't understand why other people don't understand. Yeah. They don't understand that they're forgetting things. And then they think they're being nagged because someone is actually saying, no, you need to do this. You know, stop nagging me. Well, it's because they then forget to do it. Um, and from that perspective in our household with dad looking after the finances, one of the things we found was, first of all, we had to teach Mum just to do the, the simple things like, um, you know going to the bank she still re- to this day refuses to use an ATM machine she'll still go in and hand her card over and the tellers will say Mary do you know do you you know you can use the ATM machine and she just looks at them and shakes her arthritic index finger at them as a good Irish woman does and and says yeah, you know, but, then, but then you'd be out of a job <laughs> so, yeah.
0: do you know how yeah. I, I do you know how I view this I view this the same as you not having pay pass on your phone yep um, yeah, and I yeah. talked to you about that <laughs> you're still using the cards I think it's that generation thing. you're using the cards I'm using the phone
1: <laughs> no absolutely so it's uh, well listen I'm not using cash anymore I think I've only ever taken $200 out of cash over the last year <laughs> so, great. So. Yeah, that's, that's just to pay me normally too well, you know I, I actually I actually I actually because I quite frequently let the window washers wash my windows in the car whether they need to or not. So yeah. I would always have gold coins. so I actually get cash out to go and cash it in to get the gold coins to put in my console to actually how uh, about yeah, yeah. the window washers so it's um but but on that basis, it's one of the things with Dad looking after the finances, we had to teach Mum all the basics of the finances, and, and she yeah. was good. But in saying that, she she still lent on us a lot. My sister um, had moved overseas as well, so uh, so there wasn't. My sister was my mum's rock without any doubt. Uh, but with her moving overseas, uh, that made it a little bit harder for Mum as well. So it's a, and Mum Mum's a very proud woman, so it was also hard for her to reach out, and she wouldn't put Dad into care when he realistically should have gone in and and she she had her own reasoning behind that i mean first of all she was a very uh, loyal and devoted uh, wife number one uh, and secondly she said you know dad started his life in an institution uh in world war ii and you know we, we know the story and he was um sent out to the countryside for eight years and then in a jewish orphanage in london so she said he started his his life in an institution. She didn't want him to end his life in an institution, but did get to the stage where it got too much. So mum had to take on those just basic understandings of money, understanding the age pension, understanding yeah. uh, bank accounts and things like that. And and she she's you know she's a very um, if she puts her mind to something she is like a dog with a bone. She won't let it go. So and so she did learn all those things. Uh, you know, we spoke to council, we spoke to Department of Social Security, we made, um, we made sure uh, of the things that they were entitled to that they were getting, because these are the things that dad had always previously done. But one of the things that was quite interesting is in going through dad's bank account, uh, we noticed that um, there was all these debits for Reader's Digest coming out. And we couldn't understand that because we couldn't see anything, but there was every, every, every week Nelly. there was $100 here, $70 there, $150 here. And we're scratching our head thinking what the hell is going on here. So we actually rang Reader's Digest and basically what was happening is every time they rang and dad answered the phone, he just said yes to buying stuff. But we couldn't see any stuff that he was apparently buying. And he was hiding it, and this is another thing that people with dementia do—they hide things. Dad would hide his wallet out of fear that someone would take money off him, and then forget where his wallet's gone and accuse people of stealing his wallet. I mean, we, yeah. we had about nine wallets stashed around the house uh, for him. We were always buying him new, and we had to take his watch off him because he would always—he had a lovely watch—and he would forget where it was, so we'd buy him five, We bought him a five-dollar watch that he could lose all the time. Uh, And every week we're buying him new $5 watches. So these are the things that you actually have to understand working with someone. But from that perspective, with Reader's Digest to give them real credit because they didn't know they were dealing with someone with dementia. They just thought, well, telemarketing sales and this guy and dad was hoarding everything. We still had everything. And we we showed at this stage, dad had been diagnosed uh, with dementia and they happily refunded. um, I think it was about two years. So it 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 was like, Three grand or four grand. Uh, they actually refunded because we actually still had everything in the packages and they came and picked them all up and were So you've got to give credit where credit's due there. They yeah. didn't know they were dealing with someone with uh, dementia either. So, but these yeah. are all the little things where, you know, when somebody is accusing you of stealing money off them, when it's just that they can't remember where they put their wallet. So these are all the little things. So, mum had to learn very quickly about dealing with finance and also too then thankfully we did have his wills or don't know because this is something so that's that, really that's, that's,
0: important yeah that's the next part i was going to get into so you've discussed okay. managing the family um and yep. the little nuances that happen and and you know i think there's also a, an emotional support hotline that people can visit um, and we yes. have that in the article as well so that's the national dementia helpline which is 1800 100, 500. Um, if people want to go through, because I, I know, you know, I couldn't even imagine what it was like to go through that and, and just having someone to lean on and support. So there's that. And,
1: yeah. And, and there, is, there is actually a great uh, organization too, which is actually support for carers of people with dementia. Uh, yeah. See, because you have to understand the person who has dementia doesn't know they have dementia. Yeah. Uh, that it's so, uh, it's all the people who are around them are the ones that are most severely emotionally affected. It's, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I'd prefer not to have it uh, without any doubt, but they don't know they have dementia. They don't know what's going on. Yeah. So it's, um, especially as you get to more of those advanced stages and it's, you know, it, it was just that with things like that, the, you have carer support groups. My mum was part of a carer support group, which through their Count Foundation uh, four years ago, we raised quite a lot of money. Uh, for that support group because they were wonderful support for mum because everyone there are spouses of people with dementia uh, and they all have the same stories, they're all going through the same stuff, they all understand and that that was tremendous and I do openly encourage anyone who is a spouse uh, with dementia, it helps them be part of a tribe, be part of a group, be part of a group that understands and that is so vitally important for your own well-being. Yeah. So
0: I guess taking the family hat off now and, and putting your financial planning one on, um, you, you started off by mentioning yeah the will. That, that's got to play one of the vital parts. Um, is that addressing yeah. that early or how do you go about this will?
1: Yeah, you have to understand that somebody cannot change a will. Will is a legal document and you can't change a will if you're not of sound mind and body. OK, so it's uh, so somebody can't be forced to sign a will or that would be contested. So it's too late to try and get a will changed or to have financial power of attorney or even just power of attorney uh, done. If somebody has already been diagnosed, nobody will. If that was to happen, it would just be contested.
0: So even early onset?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So it's uh, once they've been diagnosed, um, yeah. no longer can make. Uh, decisions life-changing decisions and if you think of the reason why you got elder abuse there where you have um, a child who might have uh, drug dependencies or you know be a gambler or something like that or just take advantage of a parent yeah and and based on the fact that that they just get uh, you know say in my case dad to sign stuff and, you know, and they go and basically rate the bank accounts. And it's just, it's horrendous that people do this to their parents, but it, it happens over and over um, again. So making sure, uh, so these things can't be changed. So they go and get stuff done. You know, the bank teller doesn't know that dad's sitting there confused and not too sure what's going on. Uh, so these, this is really vitally important to understand. In our circumstances, we had to take credit cards off dad. We had to take, Uh, We had to give him cash on a weekly basis, but you can't change the will. So the will is set in concrete once somebody is actually diagnosed. And there is, you know, you might've heard on shows or movies, you know, where they have sound mind and body. And, you know, it's, it's a very, very old saying, but that is if somebody is not of sound mind or body, they're being forced into doing something or doing something they don't understand the consequences of and that uh, will be, would be contested. So so based on this, we had, um, you know, we had all the wills and everything. And this is why, you know, even our 30-year-old clients, we recommend they have their wills done in power of attorneys and financial power of attorneys. So, mm-hmm. you know, and not even through dementia, but if I got squashed by a tram, uh, you know, you know, if I was the only person who had access to everything in financial power of attorneys, that means you don't get paid tomorrow, Jamie, uh, yeah. because no one knows where the bank accounts are or, or anything like that. So, so based on that, you do have to have all of that set up uh, prior. And what that then means is, you know, from the perspective of it, dad didn't, but if he had, for example, an investment in his name or superannuation fund in his name or just a bank account in his name, My mum couldn't even get access to that if she wasn't listed on there. So by being a financial power of attorney, she could. And one of the things you do in those circumstances, and it sounds awful, but at this stage, you're actually planning for the demise of that spouse or that parent. And it's an awful thing, but it's basically a case of, okay, do we transfer assets now? There's no use, for example, my dad having a bank account, he's personal. They had joint bank accounts, so it wasn't an issue. But there's no there's no reason why he would have a bank account in his personal name, so you would close that down. And the person who has the financial power of attorney can do that. Might be yeah. the surviving spouse, might be a child. They close that bank account down and then just transfer uh, the cash into the the medically okay spouse's name on that basis. So and that because they're the one who's now controlling the bank account and things like that. The last thing you want is somebody accusing. Another family member, because it's horrendous, you know, when these things happen, um, is accusing another family member of emptying, you know, mum or dad's bank account uh, mm. because that was actually still open in their name, which it shouldn't have been in the first place. So, mm. so in you know, in one case with one of our clients who's got dementia, um, and he's just gone into high, high care. Uh, his sister and one of his sons, one of his four sons, Uh, both have financial power of attorneys and both of them have to sign off and everything else. And then there's another son that's actually also involved um, in those decisions too. So, so based on that, both the sister and one of the sons have to sign off on anything. And there's another son who doesn't have financial power of attorney, but he's also involved in all of that as well. He actually gets everything done, organises it all. And then the other two, in that way, there's no conflict. There's no, yeah i was gonna say
0: that's a, that's a good way is having like multiple people involved um so that you know because uh, even like you don't i guess from a financial planning perspective um you know we don't want people viewing that we'd be doing the wrong thing so it's absolutely. great to have, you know it's great to have multiple people involved to really guide them through that process
1: absolutely it is and it's is you know it's it just it's just more the case of that you know if somebody has financial power of attorney over mum or dad's account and they come and say, here's the financial power of attorney um, and, you know, please withdraw 50 grand from dad's bank account. And it's just like, what for? Well, that's none of your your business. Yeah, I understand that, but uh, this is the first time I've ever spoken to you. I have no idea who you are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so these are the things that you just have to be, um, you know, so aware of as well. And this is why, you know, And one of the things we do, and I know all good financial planning firms do too, is that they usually the whole family are usually clients uh, so that you don't get phone calls out of the blue, you know, and things like that. And, you know, if we've actually, we don't do wills, but if we've helped them put their wills in place, we've usually got copies of our clients' wills and power of attorneys and financial power of attorneys. And these are the things that we hold on file, especially when uh, parents start to become elderly, because the relationship is there. But you've already got the relationship with the children. You know who they are. Uh, you know what their personalities are like. You know as well. So it's um, so based on that, that certainly helps circumstances. But it can be it can be a horrendous position, you know, for an elderly parent who only has one child, and that child is off the rails. And all of a sudden, these elderly parents is left with nothing. You know, and these are the things that unfortunately are seen on a regular basis.
0: Tony, um, thanks for sharing all this with us today. Um, And I think that sort of deep emotional connection you've had to experiences like this, um, and I know it helps guide yeah the, the clients that we have that are going through the same situation it, it's actually you talk about emotional support and i think uh, as a financial advisor i think they have really respected that they can have that emotional support with you um is there anything else that you want to sort of let our listeners know um you know i guess the one thing to know is we are there as well um Absolutely. we, we sort of dealt with yeah. situations as well so I, I know they can pick up the phone and call you
1: yeah one of my, one of my clients who she's actually become a very dear friend of mine and how i actually met her was uh because her partner uh, her partner she had got um you know early onset alzheimer's and we've become very close friends as a result of this um over time and it was it was just now there was there was financial abuse that had gone on then through their ex-accountants who ran off with their money you know and things like that so these these are the things where if clients don't know where to turn, you know, or they have a parent or a friend in that situation, you know, who is, there's obviously something going on, just reach out because you know, it's, it, it costs nothing to actually reach out and just let us have a chat because sometimes there are things that can be done. And other times it's just a case of making sure that their finances are in order because if they do have to go into high care, you know, a, a, you know, a deposit bond or what's commonly known as a RAD, that can be the minimum nowadays is about four hundred thousand um, dollars. You know, so do you have to pay a rad if one of the one of them are in care, one of them is at home? Does it just come get paid by the pension? You know, there's there's a whole range of things. I mean, we had a look at one this morning where Challenger are helping us with, and it's seven hundred thousand dollars or four point oh two per cent, which is forty seven thousand dollars a year. These things, you know, they're expensive. Yep. yep yep yeah so um...
0: Tony really appreciate your time today um and I think it's a really good podcast to get out to our listeners
1: thanks Jamie thanks for that.